0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vein Podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about like late-season scouting or like, post-season scouting. And and this has been a tremendous benefit to me. And if I talk to a lot of the people that I talk to on the podcast, a lot of their success comes in the off-season um, rather than the in-season. Like The off-season scouting and time spent in the woods pays huge dividends when it comes time during season. And one of the biggest reasons for that is just because the sign... Right now is so visible and so easy to understand and there's no one out there Um, You can go a long ways. It's not hot the vegetation's down. There's a lot of good reasons for that So that's what we're going to talk about today There's some key factors that i'm going to cover things that I have found out and learned myself Um, And then also I was on kind of a I did like a two-day hunt with a buddy of mine um, And we went and explored some new land. We did some scouting. We did some hunting Um, and so I just want to give you a recap on that. Things that we found, things that we liked, things we didn't like. So it's all fresh in my mind. Um, I just want to get all that out for you guys. If that's something you guys will be doing, I strongly encourage it. Um and uh and then we can or at least I can like roll that out. This is a solo podcast, it's just me. Um I have like five people lined up and all of them wanted all of them, like they're all they're all over the place, and then all of a sudden, this week is is slow for, all right, I'm putting this one out myself, but then I have five people over the next few weeks that are already lined up to go. So we're going to be talking to a whole bunch of different people. And then I did um, guest on another friend's podcast the other day, and uh, life has been a little crazy for me the last few weeks, so apologies on um, over the holidays and all that stuff and, and not getting out a little bit more content. But I hope everybody's season went well. Um, if it didn't, obviously, uh, postseason scouting is very likely going to help you next year. And even if it did, uh, your season did go really well. I still strongly encourage postseason scouting. You know, people—if you look at the best championship teams, they don't win a Super Bowl and quit. Quit trying, right? They—they they win a Super Bowl and they go to practice in a, in a week and start trying preparing again for the next time because every year is different. There's always something new. Maybe there's a new hunter. Maybe there's new people. Maybe there's new crops. Maybe you know, your neighbors are doing something, there's always something new. So staying fresh and staying in tune with what's going on is always going to help you. And having a lot of different plans, a lot of different options is never a bad thing. All right. So with that, before we hop in a couple quick things, um, origin, uh, is a, is a great partner right now. They're doing a, a, we've been talking a lot and origin and Jocko fuel are the same company. Heller 10 will get you 10% off. Um, those two companies and Origin, I got a bunch of stuff from them for Christmas. Um, my wife went pretty much all out on that stuff. The Versa pants, I cannot tell you how much I like those. They are, I've worn them pheasant hunting, I've worn them scouting, I've worn them rabbit hunting, I've worn them deer hunting. Um, they are phenomenal. I wear them around the house. They're basically like sweatpants on the inside but hard waterproof or like water resistant and durable on the outside. They're warm. I would not suggest wearing them in the summer at all, but in the fall, in the winter and spring, like these are the pants. Like I'm, I'm basically in them. I don't wash my mine very much. I'm in them three, two to three days a week. Um, so I, I can't recommend those enough. The Versa pants, if like scouting pants, uh, brush pants, like phenomenal top-notch and I beat the piss out of them. I went through pheasant hunting, man. I went through so many, uh, berry briars and multiflower flower rows and green briar and just some nasty brush. And I was assuming that I was going to rip these things apart and they survived really well. So cannot, um, uh, cannot say enough good things about them. I've had my, my first pair of Versa pants. Um, I've had for about a month and a half now, or I ordered them right when they came out. I think it's about a month and a half. So um, those are awesome. And then I also did get um, some of the jeans for Christmas as well. Fantastic. I They're they're a hundred bucks a piece. They're super expensive jeans, but uh, again, they're a hundred percent American made. And I really like them. They're like stretchy, waist is stretchy, flexible. Um, and the whole pant is flexible. Like I got kids and obviously clearly I'm active. Um, the jeans are, are flexible. They're, they're stretchy. Like you can move around in them really well. And that's the type of jeans I like, you know, you go to for me in Wisconsin here, I go to Kohl's all the time and I'll get, you know, a $20 pair of Levi's or whatever. And they're like rough and scratchy and stuff like that. These origin jeans, like I'm very happy with the ones that I got. Um, so again, with those Heller 10, we'll get you 10% off and new year's resolutions, right? Everybody's, a lot of people are getting in the gym, getting back, working out. I know I am like getting heavy into working out every day, getting after it, um, Heller 10 will get you 10% off the Jocko fuel supplement line. And I can't say I tell you how much I like Jocko Go. Um, it's a pre-workout that's like good for you. It's got a lot of good things in it. It's not like a Red Bull or like a C4 or something that's just like pure, uh, um, I don't even know what you want to call it, like pure caffeine, basically to just jack you right up. Um, it's good. It's good clean energy. So I like those a lot. The protein's great. I just ate one of the cookies before I started recording this bottom line, those supplements. I really like. the greens are good. The peach greens, the coconut greens, like, to be honest, I'm not so much of a fan of, but the peach greens that they have, that's where I'd go for those. Um, and then the whey proteins, obviously, obviously really good too. So, um, so that's all the Jocko and, um, and origin stuff onyx maps um has been a phenomenal partner as well those guys are great so if you're looking for a mapping app to have waypoints public private land boundaries when i'm doing all my scouting i'm on onyx a lot um percent like go check those guys out if you don't have them and then um elite archery right it is after season so if you guys are seized for most people in wisconsin there's a bunch of counties who run until january 31st and in southern states those run longer but if you're looking at a new bow for 2024, go shoot an elite. At least give it a shot. Give it a try. See if you like it. I know to be like, and this is bluntly honest. Like this carbon elite era that I have right now is my favorite bow I've ever shot. And I've owned. I'm a Wisconsin guy through and through. Like, um, but man, I've I've owned the math a bunch of different Matthews. And, um, this bow for me, the confidence level that I have with it is just, it's the most confident I've ever been with a bow. And clearly it shows in in the two bucks that I was able to shoot this year, um, and place great shots on both of them. Um, so definitely give the lead a shot. And last but not least, adding to that list is ultra arrows. So ultra arrows, arrows are relatively new. As a lot of, you know, I used to work with vector custom shop or vector arrows, um, And those guys are Method Archery. Vector went to Vector Custom Shop to Method Archery. Um, Those guys, I believe, have closed their doors. I think they're all wrapped up. Um, You can dig into all that stuff yourself um, if you're interested in in trying to find that out, like talk to people or whatever. But um, yeah, Method Archery, I believe they've closed their doors. So no longer working with them, Um, but I will be working with Ultra Arrows. And these guys... um, I, I just got their arrows in the other day. So, but I will tell you this, um, Levi Morgan just signed for them starting January 1st. So if, and and you can look at Levi Morgan's post um, on any of the socials. Um, he said he's not doing it for the money because he's actually taking a, a huge pay cut to go to Ultra Arrows. He's, there's something like he's had them for a long time. I'm just getting them. Um, and just got got a got a partnership worked out with for them. So I just got them uh, yesterday. I will be cutting them up, gluing them in and getting everything prepped, and I will be shooting them as soon as possible. I'll be shooting them all over the summer and into the fall of next year. So that's it for the partners of the program. Um, and with that, we can jump into the late season postseason scouting. Quick drink of water there. All right. So uh, me and my buddy Austin, we went and scouted this um, new piece. And one of the things that we were looking for when we started off with this new piece, and our objective is to shoot a, a nice buck on this new piece in the fall of 2024. So we just started on it here in January. We're going to be working on it through basically April, May. And then we're probably going to get cameras out there in August. Um, and we're gonna run through this whole thing over the next six months and try to get something down in the fall this year. Um, and there were a, a bunch of things that we were looking for, and a, and a lot of it comes down to to sign. Like, well, when I guess when you're starting out, the first thing we did was we hit up Onyx Maps and we sat down and e-scouted the whole thing. Um, we did it individually because we wanted to get each other's opinions and not have be. Um, it's contaminated with each other's thoughts. We wanted to both sit down individually, compare notes. So we dropped a whole bunch of pins. And for reference, like this piece, um, it's made up of a whole bunch of different pieces, this like area. Um, But overall, it's over 10,000 acres. So there's a lot of land to cover here. Um, And we started on it, we were on it for two days. And we probably I think there's like, maybe 38 to 45, like, spots that we want to check out in this thing. And I think we got to like eight of them. So we're, I don't know, maybe a third of the way through. And of the eight that we got to, there's only one that we actually liked. Um, So it's a, it's a unique scenario. Like, I mean, we spent probably 12 hours, 12 hours, one day still 10, 10 hours the next. So 22 hours. And um, we, we don't have a lot to show for it. But I, but the, the point of that is you need to, when you're breaking down a piece, you need to mark all these spots. And let's just say there's, I think there's 42. There's 42 spots you want to look at you got to start crossing things off the list. It's really a process of elimination. Dude, this looks good. Let's go get boots on the ground. Oh man, that sucks. Let's get out. This looks good. Okay. Let's go look at that. Oh man, this sucks. Let's get out. And that's basically what we were doing. And, and each spot was one to two hours in each spot. So you start doing that and you get eight spots. It's like 16 hours. And if you're going, we were also hunting that area because you could hunt that area. Um, until January, until January 31st, you could hunt that. Um, but I don't think we're going to go back there for, for a while. Um, so it's one of those things where you're just spending time, you're going in and then in the evenings, the last two hours, you're going to a spot, finding a spot, setting up, basically doing an observation sit with hopefully, hopefully a shot. Um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully you can tie those two together, um, where you can see a long ways, but then also be able to, um, to have the opportunity to have a shot, a close shot. So that's what we were doing there. But um, I guess baseline, bottom line, first thing you want to do is e-scout. It's the fastest, most efficient way to like narrow down the path. It's far better than just going out there and driving, um, especially if you're looking at a piece of this size, like 10,000 acres or more. Um, you're, I mean, even like 1,000 acres or more, uh, and it's multiple pieces put together to, to make up one big piece you're, you're really like, you're starting to break all that down. I think everybody can understand why you want to most efficiently is to take a look at it first, aerially with satellites and, and topography maps, and then go in and, and, uh, get boots on the ground to the waypoints that you marked. So e-scouting is number one, get that done. And when you're e-scouting, you got to keep in mind the biggest thing that, I guess this is the the biggest thing when it comes to scouting where people get lost, and I used to get lost a lot with this as well. The biggest thing that comes in is knowing when you're gonna hunt the area because that determines what you're looking for when you're e-scouting, when you got boots on the ground, um, when you're out there hunting in this late season, kind of doing observation sits and stuff like that. Because if you're going to hunt uh, September 15th, you're going to be looking for totally different stuff than if you're looking or if then if you're trying to hunt November 3rd or even October 15th or October 1st or, you know, December 15th. Those like, if you know your schedule, that's something that I've really kind of keyed in on. When are you going to take your time off? Are you taking your time off in September or early October? You taking it late October? You taking it early November? You taking it in December? When are you taking your time off? Because that's going to dictate what you're looking for when you're out there. And if you're if it's just a piece, well, I'm going to hunt out there whenever I can. Um, that's great, but it's that's kind of like in a way, it's too much information to process because in the in the front end of the season, you know, late September, early October, you're you're hunting bed to food, bed to food like a normal pattern. Is basically what you're hunting. And then October, you know, 12th to the 31st, you're hunting pre-rut activity. You're hunting bed to food, but they're they're taking an off-branch to a scrape. They might instead of going from bed to food right away, they might go from bed to scrape to food or bed to scrape to bedding area to food or you know, they might just stay, they might just go bed to scrape to scrape to bedding area and then food at midnight, 2 a.m. Like there's, you know, it's a totally different scenario. And then in November, during the rut, you're looking for pinch points and funnels to just catch and bedding areas to catch bucks cruising from one to the next. You, you're you not even keying in on really food hardly at all, unless like it's, it's your only option. And then jump again and then you're going to hit run into gun seasons and you're going to run into a whole shit ton of pressure and then in december you're looking for the food again and in january you're looking for food again just bed to food but it's totally different the bed to food pattern in january is totally different than the bed to food pattern in september because you know pressure and pressure and pressure has been applied for the last three months so the deer are doing something totally different um, and the vegetation's down and the bedding areas have changed and the food sources have changed. So knowing, I say all that to say knowing when you're going to hunt it or when you're going to key in on a, on an area is going to be, that's going to be a huge factor in how you scout a piece. Um, cause the other stuff is really difficult to predict. And if you're going to hunt it early season, then my biggest piece of advice is you want to, you want to understand where the food sources are and where the bedding areas are and where the travel routes are. Scrapes aren't nearly as important to you. Um, they, they can be utilized in the early season. You can kill deer on scrapes, but really you're looking for bedding and food sources like the egg, or you're looking for standing oaks. And then and then in August, you're out there with trail cameras. And you if you find 17 different oak flats, and three different soybean fields that are green like you better have 20 cameras to put up there to drop on all of them to then find out which one that that buck is using which food sources that buck that you're after is using like that's the to me that's the best way to scout that and it's because all that information is like real time right here right now this is what's happening with the food sources and where these deer are and you can you can try to find all that information all you want um, in the postseason, but the crop rotation is going to change. Um, some oaks might produce, some oaks might not produce. Um, the DNR might come in and just totally trim out one of your bedding areas, um, or the neighbors might not plant what you thought they'd plant, or maybe you know they start there's an edge that you like, and all of a sudden they go through, I had this happen this year, they go through and trim the whole edge out so there's no edge anymore. Um, And they even do it onto the public land, which is illegal to do, or unless they got a permit or whatever, but they came onto the public too. Um, I had one guy one year put a box blind on the public, he's like 80 yards onto the public, and it's just like, what the hell is this? And he was putting it up in September. like. Um, it was just that, like, there's, there's all sorts of oddball information that can, that can occur. So having in the early season, real time information is the best information for, for what you're looking for. And that goes through the, through the entire season, but, but early season, it's the most critical. If you're taking off in October, November, which is what most people would do, um, then you're looking for different you're looking for different information. And to me, um, you get in October, you get good travel. You get like, so in September, if, um, if you want to say in September and early October, a buck is on his feet for an hour a day, first 30 minutes of light, last 30 minutes of light, like it's total general rule. But if that's the case, um, then as you get towards later October, bucks are on their feet for, you know, two hours a day or three hours a day, an hour and a half in the morning, an hour and a half in the evening. So your odds increase in November, your odds increase and in even more bucks can be on their feet for eight hours a day, you know, going all over the place. Generally four to five hours a day is most likely, but they can be much higher. And the odds of them being only on their feet for one hour, like in the early season are pretty slim. So they're probably on their feet a lot more in November. So if you're trying to hunt a new area um, or an out-of-state tag or something like that, doing it in the early season absolutely sucks. I'm not like I've done it. Um, It's not a whole lot of fun. It's really difficult. Because there's a ton of vegetation, there's a ton of food, there's a ton of bedding areas. Unless you know the piece extremely well and you've been out there and you have 37 different trail cameras out there telling you where to go, or you have insider information, or you've hunted hunted it for nine years, like it's really difficult to understand how to kill something like um, in the early season out of state. A lot of people go to South Dakota or they'll go or North Dakota, one of the two, and then they'll go to or they'll go to like Kentucky. Um, You see that every year and, or or Tennessee. And it's something that I kind of want to do, but at the same time, like I've, I've done it with elk and it's similar to doing it with, with whitetails. It's just so much opportunity for these deer and there's not a whole lot of, um, narrowing of limited resources. So it's really difficult to do. If you're going out of state or you're hunting a new piece this year, my best piece of advice for all that is hunt in late October, early November. I like later October the most for a few different reasons. One, pressure isn't as high. November 1st, I basically Halloween on, it flips a switch in every single hunter um, in the U.S., like serious deer hunter, and they're out in the woods. If you can get out there October 20th, your odds are of, of running into other people are so much lower than if you're trying to get out there November 1st. So I, I, I like October 20th. I also like October 20th and on 15th and on whatever because uh you get that increase in deer movement and you get increase in predictability of um moving the scrapes. So moving to scrapes and then the food. I like that a lot um because in November you have increased deer movement, but you lose the predictability you you are in the chaos of the rut and they might be hitting a scrape three days in a row and then be five miles away and never come back until December. Whereas in October if they hit a scrape a one day, a second day, like you should be there on the third or fourth, fifth day, like he'd probably gonna be back. And he's probably he's more much more predictable. Also, the the leaves are falling, the resources are starting to limit down, the food is starting to limit down, um, the pressure is starting to increase. So you're getting all these factors that are pushing deer to specific locations to do specific things and your bucks are getting more time on their feet. You know they're moving to that two to three hours a day on their feet versus you know one hour a day. Um, and you're getting the predictability. So I like late October. That's probably my like favorite time because you can go out in November 10th or 12th and do well. I went to Illinois this year and I did well um, in for from basically anybody's standards. I did as well as you could on a new piece of public ground over the course of three days without killing a deer. Having run-ins with mature bucks three days in a row, like that's on a piece of public you never hunted before. That's something on basically I've never heard of other people doing that or that I shouldn't say that. Andy May has done it. There's plenty of people who have done it, um, but I just wasn't able to get an arrow off. And so it's is is it good to go in that time frame? Yeah, it's it's great. But when I see a scrape, um there's for instance, when I was walking out of the woods one day in Illinois, um I was walking back to my truck and I counted 17 scrapes on the way out. And I wasn't taking any sort of like super thick deep woods route. I was walking not directly on the trail. I had to take a couple of shortcuts where I was cutting through the woods, but basically I wasn't doing anything spectacular and I counted 17 scrapes and I basically discounted all those scrapes because it's not November 10th is not really a time where scrapes create predictability where bucks are like, Oh, I'm going to go get up from my bed. I'm going to go check this scrape, see if there's any hot does and I'm going to go to the food. That's not, really the case they're basically like i'm gonna go get up from my bed which i don't even know whose bed this is i've never been in this bed before but this is where i ended up last night and i'm gonna go check this other bedding area where i think you know cindy lou that's a grinch reference because i've been (laughs) watching the grinch a lot with my kids over the holidays um where cindy lou and jesse and you know, Jenny have been hanging out and those, those girls over there might be in heat, or I think they might be in heat. Like they're just going from bedding area to bedding area and it's, it's, and it's chaos. Right. So I like, I I like that because on October 20th, I saw 17 different scrapes. That's a totally different story. I'd be like, all right, which one has the most cover around it? That's closest to the bedding areas that I can get to, um, with a good wind. And I'm going to put a camera on it and hunt it. Or I'm going to put a camera on it and see what's there. Like that would be, that's totally different. Like I have a lot more confidence in late October scrapes than I do, um, you know, or early mid-November scrapes. Like they just doesn't, it doesn't seem to pop off as much. So if you're, you want to understand when you're going to hunt it. Again, my, my piece of advice, if you, if you have whenever, if you have one week and you can go whatever week. My personal opinion is like October 22nd to the 29th. I like that a lot, um, but I it's totally up to you and how your property hunts and how the how the place hunts. You might go in with an idea, realize the idea isn't gonna f- that property isn't gonna meet the idea's needs. That's another big thing. Like if you're wanting to hunt, you know, early season. Um, and you go and check out the property and it's got no soybeans. Um, the corn drizzled out in August and kind of sucks. All, none of the oaks are producing acorns and you go in there and you don't find diddly squat for sign. Like you probably don't need to hunt that early season, right? You're probably going to wait and try to hunt that, um, either late October or November or not hunt it at all and go find another spot that meets your needs. I think that's like, that's also one of the things you want to look at, like does the property meet your needs or does can you change your schedule to meet the property's needs? Um, if you go in and check a spot out, it's got beautiful soybean fields, nice tucked away oaks, good bedding areas, and it looks like it sets up really well for September. Well, then shit, you better give that a go and go back out there in August and verify everything's good um, and then, and then see if that's a good time to take your time. Um, or if you get in there, you don't find any of that stuff, but you find good scrapes that are hidden, that are tucked back, thick wooded, wooded areas that have, you know, a whole bunch of trails intersecting that, um, there's a big high stem count area and looks like a great bedding area. Or you, even in the post season, you find some beds. Um, and then there's a scrape right outside of that. That's the biggest car hood. Um, man, like that screams to me, like I need to hunt this late October and I need to you know stay out of here and just kind of monitor it from the outside in um and get a camera in there on that scrape and uh, and a, kind of around that area and see what's, what's going on and if you get out there um like where we were hunting um the last couple of days we found I found a spot that I sat and um in the old like there's a bunch of farmland around here in in Wisconsin that was kind of marshier that they've made into Um, ag and then subsequently pulled out of ag and back into like CRP and stuff like that. But the water, these water irrigation canals that they made still exist. One of these areas I found two canals come together and then there's a land bridge in the middle of it and it's thick woods on each side. And it kind of like peels off into these like, you know, tree lines into kind of this CRP marshy area. And that that intersection between the two irrigation canals, um, and that tree line running through there. I mean, there, the trail like was beat down like four inches deeper than everywhere else in that marsh, because that is the path to cross between those two canals. Like in that area, that is the path. So like, I'm going to hunt, like if I was out in November, like that's where I'm hunting. That's, that's like a spot that I'm going to because it is the path. And if that's how the land sets up, then I need to take my time in November. Um, so it's, it's all situational and I'm trying to give you all these different pieces of, of situational advice because, um, everything's different and it. And you, you talk to, um, like Aaron Warbritton or Zach Farrenbaugh or Andy May, um, or any of these guys that like, I'm I don't mean to lean any, leave anybody else, um, out but you talk to these guys and you ask them about certain scenarios and like man it's so situational it's so situational it's well what about this well what about that when are you going to be there how are you going to be there who are you going to be with like how many days do you have to be have do you have to hunt what type of weather is it like there's so many factors that go into it i'm trying to provide all all these um but at the end of the day take your schedule what your intention is when you have the time to hunt um and then backtrack that, go e-scout, find the property you like, you think looks good, go scout it, see if the sign is there that matches the time frame that you wanna hunt. If it doesn't match it, but it looks really good and you can move the time frame around to match the property, go ahead and do that too. Um, and if, like I said, if it's early season, you gotta get in there in August and September and figure it out. If it's October, um, you can get in there now, find all the scrapes, find all the sign, wait until September, you know, and hunt it, kind of monitor it for pressure and who else is out there and our other, you know, hooligans out there. Does anybody else know about this scrape? Is there another camera? Man, one of the spots we went to, Austin and I went to, um, in one area, we found six trail cameras, Um, seven, actually, seven trail cameras in one area. And it was wild. Like we did not expect to find all like it was a good it was a good area um but it's clear that there and all seven trail cameras were different and some of them were like um a couple of trees apart so you know it's different people not the same person putting all these cameras out like our other you know that was one of the pieces that we looked at it had decent sign it was tucked back a ways the food wasn't really there um the bedding was there the sign was there and the access like we realized later on that there was an easier way to get in than how we went in, um, which kind of sucks, which also leads to why there were probably so many trail cameras in there, but we were really stoked on that part. Um, and we put a lot of time into figuring it out. And then we get finally got back there and it was like, Oh my God, there's a whole, <laughs> there's seven trail cameras back here and this thing sucks. And we just got to scratch this one off the list. And, Like, yeah, you might be able to get out there on a Wednesday or Tuesday afternoon and not run into anybody, but, like, you know, plan on having to beat someone to that spot on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because there's going to be everybody and their brother out there and plan on getting in an argument with a guy claiming it's his spot or something like that, you know? Um, So I, like... That was, that's another thing too, is just like keeping an eye on that pressure and trying to understand who's, who's going to be there and who's not. And that's, if it's close to your house, if you have the ability to sneak out there and hunt at a time or two, if you're doing out of state, like, you know, and it's seven hours away, like, obviously you don't have the, the, you don't really have the ability to do that. Um, But then you need to take a block of of time off and plan on starting to hunt that on like a Monday and your best hunting is going to be you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then you're going to start running into people on Friday and Saturday again. So like that's, um, that's, that's a big piece, uh, is to like understand the schedule that you have personally work life, you know, family, all that kind of stuff that all goes into it. And then once you get, once you figure out kind of what you're looking for, um, and you start getting boots on the ground, you get out there and you start looking. The things you want to look for, there's four key pieces that I like to like to look for. Um, food, bedding, sign, access. Those are the four key pieces. Again, it's food, bedding, sign, access. Where's the food? Do they have the oaks? Do they have the maples? Do they have uh, the locusts? Do they have egg? Um... Is it beans? is it corn? what is it right now? what will it be next year? I'm gonna take a visit out there in you know July and figure that out what's corn, what's soybeans? what's hay? what's alfalfa? what is um, you know winter wheat what what is it? a bunch of fields that we found when we were scouting this new piece were dormant like they didn't have anything planted. It's like okay what well what the hell's going on there? So, um, like one of the, the number ones, the spot that I liked the most personally e-scouting, I went and looked at it. Um, and I was trying to kill something late season. So I'm thinking bed to food and I went and looked at it and none of the food was there that I thought was going to be there. So I had to, I the best spot. I was like, I need to go check out this spot. Cause I think this is where we're going to put in some time and we're going to hunt this. I went and drove it and it sucked. Is garbage. So we cross that one off the list. Um, so I'd have to check that again next year if we want to go back back to that area. Um, but yeah, so food is food is key. Um, you want to understand where that is. Betting is the next thing, like betting needs to be um, and this is situational for for everything, and that's some betting is something you have to have boots on the ground for. You can guesstimate all you want e-scouting, but boots on the ground is going to tell you if you're right or wrong. Um, you know, swampy, marshy areas, which part of this was swampy marsh, part of this was ag, part of it was like rolling hills. Like there's a whole good, healthy mixture to this, these pieces that we were looking at. Um, so uh, the marshy areas were much easier to predict, to be honest, because it was like hot patches of high ground which had, you know, trees on it or points. Um, and these deer, we'd find the sign where the deer are going to the end of the point, betting on the end of the point or betting just into the marsh on a little piece of high ground and stuff like that. We'd find the sign for that. Um, so that's a little bit easier. Whereas if you're hunting like hill country, which we looked at some of that as well, you know, you're going up into these hills and you're thinking like, oh, well maybe the deer bed on this windward side or leeward side or this south facing slope in the winter. And you're trying to like figure out where these deer will bed and you get in there and it's just straight up mature woods. And you can see for, you know, 300 yards in the woods. And that's like, well, okay, there's probably no bedding here. They're probably not going to bed here. Where's the thick stuff? Where can I find the spots where these deer are going to bed? Um, And so then you're like, you're crossing all those points of interest off and going, well, that all sucks. I need to go find where these deer are bedding. So that's another thing, like trying to find that thick, high stem count area. And in a marsh, it's, it's different because you're looking for a little bit of high ground, but also you you clearly want the thick, high stem count area as well. And on the last day of our, our hunt, um, again, it's two day hunt, but the second night went out there and I did get a look at. The first night we got we both Austin and I both um threw up a blank. Second night, um, I saw twelve does and all twelve of them came out of the marsh uh in an area I would have never hunted. Um it would have been extremely rare and a hundred times going there for the first time, it's very unlikely I would have picked that spot where they came out. And there wasn't a tree. I ranged them at four hundred and fifty yards um, from where I was and there wasn't a tree within 300 yards of them. And that's probably why they were out there. Like they just basically stood up out of the cattails. I don't know what they were betting on, but they basically stood up out of the cattails and walked out of the cattails and into this tall grass. And that's where I got to see them at 450. Um, so like that is a, as a decent impact, um, on what, you know, for next year, where you think they might bed, um, and getting boots on the ground to find that bedding. Um, and one of the nice things about postseason scouting is you can bump them and it doesn't matter so much. You can go in there and be like, okay, I'm seeing the hot sign. One of the spots we went to, um, I was seeing good sign. I was walking down a trail, deer trail. It was looking good. I found a bunch of poop. It was like rock hard. So I was like, ah, that's not great. Then I found some poop and it was a little mushy. And then I found some more poop and it was like basically fresh, basically steaming. I was like, all right, cool. Like there's deer in here like right now. And we were here. I was at in this spot at like one in the afternoon. It's all right. They must've been here through here this morning. I found a nice scrape shortly afterwards, you know, within a few, uh, like 50 yards or so was standing there looking at the scrape, trying to plan out where I would hunt it, marking it on, on X and boom, I jump them out of their bed. They're 30 yards away, bedded right next to that scrape. It was a small buck and a doe. They got up and busted out of there. But then I mark the bedding. Okay, cool. This is a spot where the deer will bed where they do feel safe. And that's one of the nice things about postseason scouting is the bedding areas are the areas where the deer will oftentimes feel the most safe because they've been pressured so much throughout the season. They tend to bed where they are close enough to food, but feel safe enough that they're not going to be killed. And a lot of times those spots can be, you know, those deer that popped out of marsh. They were in a mile and a half, a mile and a half from the nearest ag field, um, nearest like picked corn ag field. So they had a long way to go. And I was 1.8 miles in um, on this piece. And the that was the deer and the cattail. The other spot where I bumped these two deer, you know, they were maybe I don't know half a mile from the ag. And they were tucked up kind of along a riverbank um, in some thicker stuff that was kind of out of the way. And I just happened to find that fresh poop, which led me like the trail kind of took a few different turns and I just followed the fresh poop. And that that's what took me to the scrape, which led me to the bedding. So there's all sorts of great reasons to get out and, and foot scout and get boots on the ground. But when you're looking for that bedding, um, it's nice to be able to get out there and bump those deer and understand, okay, when the pressure's hard, where do they go? What, how far is too far? Is it, is it a mile? Is it a mile and a half? Is it half a mile? And every piece is different. Um, so you just have to get out there and give it, give it a look and find that out. Um, but if I were like, if I were a betting man, I would say, you know, as far as betting goes, like you're looking for thick, high stem count areas. A lot of times in the winter, you're going to be able to see the beds on the ground. You're going to be able to see the hair on the ground or the, the deer imprint in the snow. Um, so you're going to be able to see a lot of that and then you can mark that. And it's not one of the big things with, with bedding areas is it's not like the deer go there like we do every single night. They don't go to the same bed. You know, deer can have, you know, a dozen, two dozen bedding areas where they will go and they will bed in those different areas. So you need to mark a lot of them as many as you can find because then it all, that also helps you with your, if you find a whole bunch of bedding areas and then you find an area that you want to hunt um, and you need to figure out how you're going to access that so that deer in those bedding areas don't see you, don't smell you, don't hear you when you're, when you have them all marked up on on X and you're looking at that aerially and you're like, okay, here's the four bedding areas that I have to pass in order to get to where I want to hunt what's a way that I can get through this area to get past these deer to the area I want to hunt. So that's always a good, um, a good point, um, to make and why you want to mark all these bedding areas. The next thing that, that I want to talk about is, is sign. Um, sign is man. It's, it, it contains a lot. It can be poop. It can be tracks. It can be rubs. It can be scrapes. Um, what else would there be? It'd be visuals There's different things that'll lead you down different paths for sign trails, um, you know, beds or potential beds or thick stem count areas. There's a few different things that, that can go, but, and that sign, again, that, that sign relates to when you're wanting to hunt there. Um, when we were out hunting, Uh, just the other day, the guy was looking for fresh tracks. Like how fresh are these tracks? There was a dusting of snow, um, and it had rained like a couple days before. Um, and there were some trails that looked like nothing had been on them for months. And there were some trails that had a whole bunch of deer tracks on them. And there are some trails where the snow was still freshly turned up. Um, and they had just been through there real recently. So you're looking for that, that sign. And if you're hunting, um, rubs are great you know, the, the bigger, the tree, the taller, the rub, the bigger, the deer. So if you find a whole bunch of, you know, saplings that are rubbed that are only an inch thick and, and the rubs are right on the bottom of the ground, it's probably a couple of real small bucks. If you're finding, you know, um, like five to 10 year old trees that are, you know, three to five inches in diameter, and they're being rubbed at like hip height, um, that's a good sign of a good buck. So you're looking at that, going, okay, there is a good buck in this area. Could he have been shot this year? Yep. Could he still be alive? Yep. So let's just kind of maybe I'll put out trail cameras um, and see if there's a, a good deer here. But um, a lot of those rubs, like I, I really like rubs, not so much like in post season. It's always nice to see them, but and it indicates that deer use that area. Um, but I really like to find rubs in September. Like, are they here now? Are they here today? Um, is this rub fresh? How tall is it? How thick is it? Um, what type of deer is it? Is it worth trying to trying to throw some sits at this area? And then, um, I really like scrapes. Like if you can't tell, um, I like that late October time frame. I like the scrapes. They're like little beacons. If you're playing connect the dots, like as a kid, you're doing the connect the dot, you know, drawing, Like to me, scrapes are basically those dots, like bucks are going from one to the next, to the next, to the next, and you're trying to connect the dots. And then you personally, as the hunter need to find which scrape, um, is the scrape that the most bucks attend that have the most does attend that the biggest bucks are going to come check. And that's usually dictated by the size of the scrape. You'll know when you find it, if you're finding one right along an egg field and you know, it's the size of a bike helmet and it's, you know, Um, brand new, freshly, freshly, um, broken branch doesn't look like it's been there year over year. Like that's cool. That's nice to see. But then if you go deeper and you find a scrape that's three inches into the dirt, it's basically a hole in the ground. Every single branch on that tree is broken. Um, that's where you're really looking and going, okay, wow, this is a phenomenal scrape. And it's, they're hard to find. They're far and few between. Um, I won't doubt that won't say that that's easy to find, but when you find that that's when you're like, all right, badass, this is where I need to be. This is where I want to set a camera. Might as well set a camera right now, run them through, through late season. I do have bucks hitting scrapes right now. Um, on some of my cameras, Austin does as well. So it's not uncommon for, it's not like extremely rare for bucks to continue to hit scrapes. Even if they just walk by, lick the branch and keep going, They may not paw up the dirt. So it's, um, it's a great idea to, to check that stuff out. And one of the things I do like, in Austin and I were doing this, is I we rank the scrapes. Every scrape we find, take a look at it, rank it one through five. Five being the best, one being the worst. Um, tiny little scrape that we think is nocturnal, that's right offside the parking lot, that was probably made by a buck one night and then rarely touched again, um, that is a one. A hole in the ground three inches deep that everybody and their brother, every buck and their brother attend, that's a five. So we did not find any fives. Um, I think we found like one, three and a bunch of twos and a bunch of ones. Um, and that was in two days of scouting and we were marshes are a little bit more, some of the marsh area that we were looking for and we spent a little bit more time there, um, are more difficult for scrapes just cause you, you don't find scrapes in two inches of water. Um, but some of that high ground, we were checking to see, okay, here's a bit of high ground and it's an edge. Can we, can we find a a scrape on this edge? So I I think that's important too. Um, so obviously if you're finding trails, you're finding rubs, you're finding scrapes, you're probably in a good area. Um, and you need to figure out like when you should, when you should hunt that and when, where the best areas are in there. Um, and I, again, I would mark it all up and there's some stuff you can only do during season, But if you mark it all up on Onyx and you take a look at it, you come back, you take a look at it, you reexamine, you start to start to put the pieces together and go, okay, cool. Uh, Based on everything I saw, I like this and this. Um, And then that plays into the fourth aspect, the fourth factor I wanted to talk about. Which is access. How easy is it to access this stuff? Um, That's going to dictate the amount of pressure it gets that's gonna dictate the amount of competition you're gonna have to fend off when you're out there. Um, Austin and I got pretty far back on a different, I told you we already found like one piece that had seven trail cameras. There's another piece where we got pretty far back on it and we're like, all right, cool, here's a little point. It comes off this high ground, goes into a marsh, there's a bunch of trees that go out there. We came from the marsh side because we went this long way around. Um, unknowingly, we were going the long way around and turns out that we got in there. We're like, all right, here's a rub. Here's a rub. Here's a nice trail coming right out of this point. This looks good. Here's another rub. Oh, here's a scrape. And here's a four wheel trail. Shit. (laughs) Um, and we got, we got back there and like realized that there was another access point way down the road. Um, and you could access it via four wheel trail and just come right in and, and you'd be you know, in the money and it's not a difficult walk. So that kind of nicks that entire area looked good, seemed good. Everything there at all the sign we were looking for, but with that four wheel trail there, it wasn't. And the four wheel trail looked really fresh. Um, and that was confirmed because on our way out of there, we ran into another hunter and, um, <laughs> he was a little disappointed. He was like, uh, would you guys just go walk? where'd you go? How'd you go through there? You know, he's asking us all these questions, which we were open and honest. We're like, Oh, we went here and here and here. And yeah, we definitely blew out this area. So I wouldn't go there. And we didn't blow out this. Like, you can still hunt this area over here. We hardly touched that. Like, um, so we explained to him what we were, what we went through and we said, yeah, there's this like, you know, well, we got all the way over here and we got to this four wheel trail. And he goes, there's a four wheel trail over there. I was like, we're like, yeah, there is. There's like, I mean, as clear as day is it looks pretty fresh. Like they cut it recently. And he's like, yeah, I was here a week ago and there was not a four wheel trail over there. I was like, oh, well there's a four wheel trail there now. So, um, so he's like, shit. He's like, that sucks. That's going to let everybody and their brother in there. And I was like, yeah, it is. He's like, Yeah, man, that used to be a really good spot. It's probably going to suck now, which, um, maybe early season will be good, but people will catch on. And all of a sudden you'll be, you'll be in there. And it was, it was kind of up against a pheasant field which. Which definitely like hurts it as well because you're gonna get a lot of pheasant hunters in there, um, especially with with a four-wheel trail now. Um they're probably cut that so they can throw birds. So um see so yeah, that the access part of it, how easy is it for you and other people to access? That's always the biggest variable that you're gonna have to find out during season. Um and trying to understand it. And the easier the access, the likelier you're going to have more competition. The harder access, the likely you're going to have less competition. And that plays into, you know, if you're going to take three days off um, or four days off of work and your family and everything, and you're going to go spend all this time in the woods, like it sucks to get out there at the ass crack of dawn and get all set up in the dark and have three other people walk in on you and you feel like your hunt's ruined and you ruin their hunts and everybody's everybody's taking time off and everybody's pissed off because everybody's in in their own, their spots, um, where they wanted to go. So like it, to just decrease the likelihood of you running into somebody else, like you want to understand that when you're looking at a piece, you know, I was 1.8 miles in on this, um, on this piece and I could go a maximum about two and a half before, um, I got to another, like, um, Another parking lot or so that people could access um, and come in from the other side. So I think that like the two and a half mark would put me out of reach. Like basically, with how I walked it and everything, I was like, it, it was hard, but it wasn't too hard. And when I got out there 1.8 miles, um, I did find a trail camera out there and a mock scrape of all things like, dude, cut a vine hung a mock scrape and hung a trail camera on it (laughs) 1.8 miles out, which was, I, you know, I thought was interesting. Um, but, um, but so clearly someone else is out there. So I need to go one level deeper, one level further, um, in order to get away from that. So I I think like there's a couple other pieces we have to check out because of that. But if I'm going out there and I'm spending the time, I'm not going to hunt that area. I'm going to go one level deeper there to make sure that my time is well spent. So the access, um, and the more like basically bottom line, the more difficulty access, the more likely you are, the more likely you don't run into competition and the more likely you are to see mature deer. Like it all, it all plays into it and all four of those things. Like you wanna find spots that have 10 out of 10 for all four of those things. It has awesome food, it has great bedding, it has great sign, and there's little to no access. Like that's the qua facta. not trifecta, but qua-fecta, quad-fecta. And um, that's extremely rare to find. A lot of times you're gonna find three of the four. You're gonna find foods, bedding, sign, and then access sucks. Or you're gonna find great access, um, good betting good sign no food or good food good sign good act like not great access which is good for you but no betting like you're gonna find a lot of times you will find three of the four but if you can find and if you can stomach three of the four like that's fine um just make sure that that fourth one is an access like if it's super easy access and you find the other three man like you could I, if I do have spots that are like that super easy access um, and it all work, and everything else looks great, but basically those are first week of season or weekday hunts only. And you got to like patrol those on the weekends to see if anybody's in there or not to just make sure they're not blowing it out or anything. I do have spots like that and they have been, um, good to me. I have seen a lot of deer in spots like that. And I know friends who kill deer, um, in spots like that, but it's, um, it's one of those things where it's like, uh are you serious? Like you went in there and you went right off the road where everybody else just drives by and it's overlooked and you just pop in there and kill one. And you just kind of throw up your hands like, yeah, I did. <laughs> um, but there is like, logic and thought put into that. The um, the last thing I'll, I'll leave you guys with um, before I, I, I sign off here. Well, there's two things I want to talk to you about. But the last thing on this postseason stuff is um, – Even if you did great this season, even though I killed two bucks this season, um, I don't think that's going to, I think in order to kill two bucks again in 2024, I need to put in double the work. I need to put in a lot more effort and a lot more work because the odds of that happening again are really slim and things will change. The farmer's fields will change like the amount of pressure will change the where i hunted on public will change the dnr will come in you need to have a lot of different spots yeah like even i i can't express that enough like having you know 47 options is a really good thing um and ranking them from one to 47 based on wind direction like these are my top seven north wind these are my top you know seven south wind these are my top three east winds because we're in Wisconsin East wind is really rare. and these are my top seven west winds. Um, and if it's a Northwest wind, I can combine those two. here's seven, here's seven, which one do I like the most. You know, ranking them is really helpful and because once you get a lot of these spots, you need a way to when it's your day to hunt and you look pull up you know Wonderground, and you're like, all right, on Friday it's gonna be this a uh, uh, 14 mile an hour Northwest wind. Um, and I got the afternoon off to hunt. Where am I gonna hunt? And you have 47 different pins. It's really good idea to like be able to narrow those down really fast. Be like, all right, only the red and yellow ones are, you know north north or west wind spots. Cool. those are the ones I'm looking at. Oh, okay, I really like this one. I really like that one. You know, this one, super easy access. So I got to cross these off because it's super easy access. And we're four weeks in a season. So probably going to toss those out. This one looks good. This one looks good. OK, I flip a coin. That one, boom, and you go to it, right? So that's having all those different spots is really good. It's a really good option. And I've been in this scenario a thousand percent where I thought I had everything unlocked. I was like, all right, these are my three spots. All three of these are really good. They're going to pan out. I got everything great. And all three of those blew up in my face. You know, one of them, the farmer didn't plan any field, anything in the field. And it was early season. So that was bad. I went to the next one. I had seven people in the parking lot on opening day, went to the next one and the oaks were not producing that year. And it's just like, Jesus, I thought I had three phenomenal spots and all three are shit now. Where am I going to go now? And I didn't plan enough. So I didn't have a fourth spot or a fifth spot. So like, that's what I'm, that's why I'm saying like, I have failed there and where I have failed, I would really like for you to succeed and and myself to succeed. Last And last thing, when you get that many people or when you get that many spots, you need to label and photograph and rank your spots. I talked about that a little bit, but you need to do all that. So it's, it organizes your spots. My Onyx Maps looks like a gumball machine um, because I have different color coding for different things in different areas, different times of the year, different wind directions. Um, And it all makes sense to me and it helps me be able to know where I'm gonna go based on what time of year and how everything shakes out. So I, I strongly encourage you doing that as well. And when you find spots, when you're out scouting, when you find them, Mark the tree that you want to hunt right now. Like, get out there where I found that scrape and that buck um and that doe that jumped up. I wanted to hunt that area even before they jumped up. I was like, okay, this is a good spot. Like, where would I sit? All right, this tree looks good. I would sit in this tree over here. And now, when I'm coming in in the dark, you know, at 4 a.m., I'm not going, oh, which tree do I get in? Oh, man, I know this is good. That scrape's like right over here, but which one has a shooting lane? Which one has this? Like, can I get in that? Like, where's the other deer trails? Like, when you find a spot you like, do the recon on that spite, spot right here, right now, and find where you're gonna set up. Like, I strong. That's such a. It's bit me in the ass so many times. I can't tell you how um, how important that is, it's, in my opinion, to do all that right there. And then when you find a spot you like. All right, that's my postseason, late season, um, advice one hour short, just short of an hour. Last thing I'm going to leave you guys with is I got all the crossbow and archery data from Wisconsin. Um, and the next podcast will be the part two to the crossbow and archery, um, and deer harvest statistics. So I'm going to put that out next, uh, next week. Um, then it's going to be a good one. The, the information I took a quick look at it spent about 10 minutes on it. Um, it's good you guys it's it's really um insightful there will be some great information coming out of that um some good topics to talk about around deer camp or with your buddies in the off season or even at the uh the deer and turkey expo or whatever it's called up in wisconsin dells um i'm gonna try to make it there this year i didn't get there last year but i'm gonna try to make it there this year um at least for a day and, and hang out so if you guys are gonna be there you know hit me up let me know All right, I think that's it. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate y'all. I hope you guys have a great start to 2024 and a great plan to attack 2024 personally, financially, um, health-wise, work-wise, family-wise. I hope you guys all have had a chance to sit down, think about what you want to do, and make um, make this year meaningful for you. Uh, One thing I'll leave you with, a a friend of mine always said it's uh, the most successful people he's run into in his life are intentional with their time. Hope you all have.